It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name is Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Adrian Clark, the tackle analyst, and Dave Kidd of The Sun. Footballers are media trained to within an inch of their lives, but thankfully, the person behind the player still shines through. Raheem Sterling and Danny Rose a spokesman for their generation. Ilkay Gundawan's truths are closer to home. When he said Manchester City are not a big team, he was challenging corporate convention, but speaking from the heart. City can still win four trophies, but are we at a tipping point? Now, sorry for the hospital pass. <laughs> what about Wednesday night? Are they going to go out of the Champions League? Oh, it's a good first question. They could go out of the Champions League, no doubt about that. Tottenham Hotspur are, are an excellent team that are capable of scoring at the Etihad, which would make it really difficult for them. But uh, no, my hunch is, is that City will actually show their mettle and, and fight back in this one. I, I think there's no doubt that they didn't, they didn't perform to the same standard as usual in that game. It was, it was a flat performance. Um, I've heard people say that they played really well. I, I, I don't... Guardiola tried to say that, didn't yeah, he? It wasn't convincing many when, people. When mm. you compare that performance with, with the vast majority of Manchester City performances, that was a six out of ten all day long. But no, I, I think they are good enough to turn it around. I just think, uh, tactically, Pep Guardiola needs to keep things fairly simple and just go with the tried and trusted that the Etihad. 4-3-3... Wide men hugging the touchline, plenty of space in those pockets for a De Bruyne or one of the Silvers to exploit uh, and play at the kind of tempo that they usually play. And then I think they probably will have too much for Tottenham, but, but it's going to be one hell of a game. Because mm. it is interesting, isn't it, Dave, that um, Pep seems to have the odd brain fade in the Champions League. Mm. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. He seems to have a bit of an issue about it. He's, it's been uh, eight years, I think seven campaigns since he got to uh, a final. Um, the three consecutive semi-final defeats by Munich hasn't reached semi-final yet with um, with City. So um, it, it, he's been underachieving for a, a man of you know his calibre and the and, and the player you know the, the two clubs he's had in, in City and Bayern Munich. He's, he's underachieved in the competition, and I think the last couple of years in in, in these um, all British games uh, at, at Anfield last year at exactly the same stage and at Spurs last week, he's not had the courage of his convictions, which is a really weird thing to say about someone whose convictions are as, are as true and as right as Guardiola's. But he, he was he was 
he picked a very strange team at Liverpool. I think four central midfield players last year. And this year, leaving De Bruyne out was quite staggering, I thought. I was there and I was asking around for some of the people who cover City day in, day out, asking why, why is he not playing De Bruyne? Because mm-hmm. uh, obviously he had injury problems this year, but he, looks, he has looked in recent weeks as though he's come back to his very best, De Bruyne. So I thought it was a strange team all round last week. Um, Delft playing at left-back as well when he hadn't started a game uh, against any top-flight opposition. He'd not started a Premier League or Champions League game all season. And seemed like a strange one as well. They were, obviously, they were missing Bernardo Silva for injury. Um, it, it just seemed like um, Guardiola got it wrong. You could almost tell it by the way he, he came out in denial, really, in the press conference, trying to say how well they played and everyone was looking at each other thinking, no, they didn't. <laughs> um, and you sort of, you, you, you knew, really, that he knew he, he got it wrong on that occasion. Mm. Um, I don't think he'll get it wrong again this time. I think they'll go at Spurs. As, as, they have to as be assertive. It, it, was, it was a cautious team yeah. selection. I think they'll be more assertive this time. Yeah. Equally, the, the Spurs have to be assertive because you look at... Their recent Premier League games involving City, people have stood off them. There's been no pressing. Mm. Essentially, they've been allowed to do what they want. And mm. if you do that and give them space, they're going to kill you. Yeah, they are a very extraordinarily difficult team to play against, Manchester City. <laughs> Let's get that right. Um, because if you do go and press them really high up, they're, they're more than good enough to just pass it around you and, and destroy you. So, so you have to do it really sensibly and I think Tottenham did that well in the first Mm. leg it's basically what I'd call a mid-pitch press where you sort of just retreat to a certain point and then just inside the opposition half you're really biting at the ankle you're looking to pinch the ball back in good areas cast your mind back to the Champions League game they lost against Lyon Manchester City that's exactly what happened time in time out cast your mind back to the Liverpool defeat where were Liverpool winning the ball just inside the City half and tearing at them that's the way to do it unfortunately most teams are not quite good enough to live with City over the course of 90 let alone 180 minutes But, but, but Tottenham have a chance they've got the quality, as we saw with that Christian Eriksen pass mm. in behind for Son for that goal, they, they can open up, open up the best. I still think at the true highest echelon of European football, the City defence is not quite good enough. Um, doesn't mean they won't win the Champions League, but but I, I think that that is the the glaring problem. If Spurs do do it, it will be a breakthrough result for them. It's, okay. it's not. I mean, they're, they're not Spursy in the classic sense. Of course, they're not anymore. But they do. They 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 haven't won too many of these no. absolutely massive games to go there to the Etihad without Kane and they have done well without Kane over the last couple of months when he's been out on the previous occasion it will be a real they're going to have to go through a, a real sort of mental barrier to, to win this I'm not saying they can't but it will be a real um, it'll be a real real red letter day for Spurs and Pochettino as well we, we, we always talk about Spurs being Spursy I mean, Pochettino is the man that's been in charge of Spurs yeah. for a long time now. He could probably do... He, he's obviously got that big tick from the first leg, mm. nailed it. Mm. Can he do it over the course of 180? If he can, then his reputation will, will soar to an even higher plane. Mm. I was at the Spurs training ground on Friday and what struck me was actually on the drive-in how many fans there were, Korean fans, yeah. <laughs> were there just hanging around waiting for autographs, yeah, trying to a... stop cars the whole bit. <laughs> They weren't um, waiting for you, were they? No, no. I, I did give them a wave, though. You know, uh, when you when you think about it, uh, that made me well. It made me think. Hummin Song is the underrated 
superstar, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think he started getting a little bit of the plaud. You know, he started becoming a little bit less unsung during Kane's last absence when he had a really he had a great month or so, didn't he? He was really tearing it up, and people started talking about him as being a potential footballer of the year. He's not quite there, I don't think, but he could be on that six-man uh, PFA shortlist quite easily, I think, particularly if he carries on that form now in the next few weeks. Uh, he's an outstanding player. He does seem to thrive on Kane not being there. You know, he seems to enjoy having more freedom there. Kane's been playing very well and, and I, I thought some of the stuff he even did in, in the game when he got injured against City it's when, he, it's when he's dropping back now in the 10 row and, and pinging passes he's an outstanding passer of the ball as well Kane but the weird thing is their results have been better without Kane and because players like Son seem to be thriving without him um, over the last few months so you know it's, it's not I don't think Kane being missing is you know is, is, a, is a necessarily a massive blow for Spurs mm, Looks like um you know, Danny Rose will come back probably. He didn't didn't play at the weekend against Huddersfield. Um, Deli Alley. Mm. Now you know there's a lot of conjecture about you know can he play with a cast on his hands. Yeah. I'm more interested in about what's going on in his head. He's 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 not had a season of development, has he? He's almost no. been a slight regression. I think you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. We've not hardly spoken about Deli Alley this season. I, I still think he's among the very best when it comes to breaking into the box to score goals. He's a Sensational finisher. I was at the game in the in the League Cup this year, where he was actually outstanding. And I remember he scored a, a gorgeous goal, breaking through, flicking it into the top corner. You want to see that more from him, don't you? Yeah. No, it has. I would say that Deli Ali has stagnated this season. He's not gone backwards, but he hasn't kicked on in the way that you would want him to. And and yeah, he will be a key man in this match because they'll need his bite in midfield. Yeah. But my hunch is that Spurs will also need to score a goal in this game. And we all know that City's thoughts are going to be what, what happens going forward. So if, they, if, if someone switches off and doesn't track him, he could be the difference maker in this match. Mm. Danny Rose, you know him well, Dave, and you've written in your column about you know, you're basically depicting him as probably the most significant player within the Premier League. Can you give us an insight into why you believe that. You know, we've obviously yeah. seen his stand against racism. He's spoken very openly about mental health. What's the real Danny Rose like? Yeah, as a, obviously, as a, I'm talking as a man rather than as, as a footballer yes. there. Um, I think the thing with... You were talking at the top of the show about um, Gundogan and, and, and being a little bit, you know, about, about generally the, the players are generally PR-managed within an inch of their lives. Um, and Rose is the absolute antithesis of that. He is not... He will not have that. Um, I've done a couple of interviews with him. Um, the one we talked about mental health was the two or three of us at an England press day, and that was an outst- outstanding um, interview in terms of the, the fact that what he said, you know, laying bare his own um, problems with, with depression and, and the problems he's had in, you know, um, suicide of a family member and uncle. Um, it was incredibly open, incredibly moving, and I think incredibly affecting, and it must have been a, a great help, I think, I know it was really to many people who were suffering mental health issues himself. He does these things totally unscripted, really. Um, he speaks from the heart. He's a very blunt Yorkshireman at heart. Um, he, you know, he's, he's a stereotypical Yorkshireman, I'd say, Rose, in the way that people talk about Yorkshiremen you know, don't suffer fools gladly. They, they, they say it like it is. That, that is Rose all over. And, and that is so different in, in football. So when he spoke out about racism the other, the other week, I think it was very powerful that he, he spoke... He said it, as you might say, to your mate in the pub almost, 
you know, he said, I'm fed up with this. I've had enough. I, want, I can't wait to get out. He's actually probably exaggerating what his true feelings. He probably can't. It's probably not true that he can't wait to get out of football, but it made, it made him feel like that, being dehumanised by those supporters in Montenegro, as it was then. Um, you know, it probably did make him feel like that. And I think footballers speaking from the heart, we don't hear it enough. We still don't. Mm. I think Sterling's been very good. I think Rose, I think he's just a little bit more heart on the sleeve as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I hope he continues. I'm sure he will. He said he will. And, and I hope he does continue Isn't it, yeah. to raise these issues. Isn't it great that the, the modern day player um, feels comfortable enough to speak out mm. in this way yeah. I just think I think I think it's, it's obviously at the moment it's an awful time in terms of the abuse that mm. that, that players and you know people in general are, uh, have are been subjected to but but the one minor positive to come out of it I think is that players are no longer afraid yeah. no, sure. to speak up yeah. and out against it and the support that they're receiving I think is, is fantastic too it's been a bit of a bit of a move away from you know, I think most players, it's social media, and it might be more light-hearted, but they are finding their own voice in their own ways that, and being less restricted by the clubs, uh, you know, trying to mm. make them bland, really. Um, Rose, actually, not even on social media. He's a completely different animal, really, but but at the same, but very, very effective. So I think I think the whole thing is a positive move if players are able to express themselves as, as blokes as well. Yeah. A question um, from one of the uh, viewers. Paul Fry. Mm. Uh, Laurenti and Mora, the Spurs stick with them or looked to upgrade? And is Sissoko really Pogba in disguise? <laughs> well, Sissoko has pretty been the player Pogba should have been for, for much of this season. He's been the most improved player in the Premier League, I think, mm. Sissoko. I mean, absolutely tremendous, um, great attitude. And he uses his physicality per, in a perfect way now, doesn't he, in, in terms of surging through the middle of midfield, tireless worker. So, no, he, he is now a must-pick, I think, Sissoko mm. for Spurs. As for the other two, Urente can definitely be upgraded. Um, I, I, I would personally look to look to move him on. Although he, he, he can still offer something in terms of being a battering ram to knock the ball down for others. But he's, finished, he's, he's lost confidence finishing. Uh, Lucas Moura, no, I think he's got plenty to offer, actually. He's rapid across the turf, mm, isn't he? Very good squad player. Yeah I, yeah, I agree. And I think that in this match against Manchester City, he will be very important. We saw him destroy Manchester United, didn't we, earlier on in mm. the season at Old Trafford with his speed in behind. If City are chasing goals and they leave those spaces in behind the full-backs between the centre-half and full-back, Moore is more than capable of, of exploiting those gaps. For me, the upgrade for Lorente could be Mitrovic, who's, I mean, a lot of Premier League clubs going to be after him. I think he'd be a significant upgrade on Lorente, but, you know, some, whether or not he'd, he'd want to play second fiddle to Kane, as anyone would now, you know. Uh, centre forward going there but I think that's a player that Spurs should be sure. looking at mm. you're going to be in Barcelona on uh, Tuesday for mm. the uh, Manchester United tie um, what do you expect Man United outsiders by distance they're outsiders but I don't think it's I don't think it's a great great Barcelona side they've certainly got one very great player in the number 10 shirt if they can keep him quiet as they they, they did to a large extent in the mm. first leg I think United have have a slim chance uh, I assume they'll play Martial they'll, they'll you know they'll, they'll try and attack with pace um this is not as uphill a task as it was in Paris. They, they were without so many players, including Pogba. They had, I think, 10 players in and around the, f the first-choice lineup who were out for Paris. They, it, was, it was such a scratch team, and they were two down. It was an extraordinary win. Um, 
that, so this would be less remarkable, maybe more significant because it's Barcelona, but it would actually be less remarkable. I think, you know, it's more doable than I would have thought it was before Paris. Mm. So even though they haven't been playing well, and they haven't, and they haven't played well since Paris, they've had six games since Paris, lost four of them, haven't played particularly well in any of them. Um, and there's never a debate over whether Solskjaer, you know, should have got the job in the first place. But, mm. um, but the, I do think they do have a, they do have a chance. Yeah, because speaking on that. There is a school of thought that actually United got it the wrong way round. They should have sorted out a director of football to look, look at the big overarching strategy. There was talk about Paul Mitchell, who says he's probably going to still stay in, uh, in, in Germany. Um, wait, wait, wait till the offer comes. <laughs> yeah, 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 might, yeah. might think twice then. Uh, but if you look at that as, a, as an issue, United really still will be behind in the transfer market simply because they haven't got someone to do the, the legwork, really. Um, in a sense, was Solskjaer lucky to get the job? No, he, des- he deserved it based on the audition, didn't he? That's the, that's the thing. They couldn't not give it to him. Yeah. He did so well, too well, in a way, that Manchester United had no option. Can you imagine? Yeah. They, based on what he did, um, that the, they rejected him. There would have been an uproar. But I guess... At the same time, was it the right decision yeah, still? Was it the right decision in the long term? Who, who knows? We'll, we'll find out, won't we? But I've always felt that the director of football should be aligned in terms of their beliefs with the manager. Mm-hmm. So, yes, in that respect, they've, they've kind of got it the wrong way around. But, uh, but I don't think... I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a tradi- Manchester United traditionalist, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and but is that enough in the modern game? Um, I think he's a bright guy. I do. I think mm. he's a. I think he's a bright, bright manager. I don't think he's as, as um, average tactically as some people would, would make him out to be. I think he's flexible. I think his core principles are: let's play the Man United way, mm. youngsters, width, pace, attacking football. But we've seen in a few fixtures, particularly early on in his caretaker reign, that where where he he, he tactically was excellent. He out he outthought Pochettino mm. for sure mm. in the game at Wembley. That was very impressive. So, no, I think this is a blip. I don't think he actually got a sensational Manchester United squad to work with either. Mm. Um, and, put, and Mitchell, I think, is a, is a guy that's a, it's a good headhunter, isn't he, in terms of players. He'll go out and, and, and find the players. I don't know whether he's necessarily a, a strategist. He became the, I think he became the number one choice for that role when Pochettino was being lined up as, as the manager, which... Mm. Would, Having even if they had suppose, gone, even yeah. if they had gone full out the Pochettino, whether they'd got him from Daniel Levy when he's under contra, long con, long term contract, I I doubt. But I think that was I mean, Mitchell and Pochettino are allies mm. from Southampton mm. and Spurs. Although he did leave Spurs, but they they didn't fall out. They're, they're they're definitely close. I think that was the idea with Mitchell in the, in the first place. So um, I don't know if they've still got their eyes on him. He's a pretty impressive guy. There's plenty of guys around mm. in Europe who, who could do that job. United do need someone to do it. They're, they, they're pretty prehistoric, really, in the way they do their recruitment. And mm. Edward Wood's not a football man, and, and he's, he's botched a lot of deals. Mm. Pogba, um, be interested in your insight, mm. Aid, here, where he's having his best season in terms of goals and assists 13 goals, nine assists. Yeah. A few quite iffy penalties within <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, definitely. Um, is he, he gives the impression of being a semi detached footballer. Mm. Yeah, I understand. What that means, I think. <laughs> um, he, well, he's you know he's there, but he's not quite there. If you yeah, know. look, I'm I'm not 
I'm a fan of his talent, but I'm not a fan of Pogba the team player. I just, I, I, obviously, I'm not privy to what goes on behind the scenes, but it, it, you do feel as if it's all about him a little bit. Um, there was that footage from the from the World Cup. Um, where he was inside the dressing room and he did show amazing leadership skills with a really rousing speech and you wonder okay well maybe maybe they should channel that a little bit more at Manchester United where where he's seen as more of an individual but but no with Pogba for me I would get rid of him I certainly wouldn't make him captain I know that, that there's a temptation to, to give him the armband to, to fend off interest from Real Madrid but he's just not a guy in my opinion that you can rely on and, and when the big matches have come around he has disappeared. I think that much is clear to see. And he, when he's happy, he's sensational. When things are not going so well, he tends to go missing. For that reason, I would cash. I would cash cash out on Paul Pogba and bring in somebody else um, who I think could could offer just as much for for probably lower wages. Mm. I don't. I I I agree with a lot of what you say, mm. but I don't think it will happen. And I think a lot okay. of it's to do with the fact that United are. Are, are still a commercial entity mm. more more than the footballing entity the way they run, and I think Pogba is you know that's the reason why Pogba was brought back uh, this huge social media phenomenon that he is. Mm. Um, that's not to say he's not a great footballer, by the way. Um, I can see exactly what Adrian says, and, and and I think there's a very good chance that Solskjaer on his heart of hearts might might agree <laughs> with that. But whether it actually happens or not, and United are willing to sell such a great commercial asset much as a footballing one, I, I have my doubts. Mm. Let's talk about another footballer who hasn't got a shred of ego, Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Juventus, yeah. Ajax. Yeah, yeah. Is, it, is his stage again, isn't uh, it? Yeah, he loves it, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he's a sensational. Big game player, isn't he? We talked about Pogba there, not, not really showing up in a lot of these big games. Ronaldo is the opposite. And yeah, I, as fantastic as Ajax have been to watch, and isn't it wonderful to see the renaissance mm. there? Um, football's, European football is so much richer for, for a good Ajax team, yeah. that is for sure. Uh, but no, you'd imagine that, that Ronaldo will carry... Juve into the semi-finals of the Champions League. This is exactly what he was signed for. And given the way that the draw is panning out, I think I think they've got an excellent chance of, of reaching the final again, Juventus. Mm. They've been made to wait for their eighth successive Serie A title. They lost to Spal at the weekend. Um, closer to home, our domestic title, it is going to go down to the wire. Um, what are your impressions of Liverpool yeah, I thought they were very good yesterday against Chelsea. I think they've been um, they've been scraping results recently, and yesterday it was a really thoroughly um, sensible, serious performance, thoroughly deserved win. You know, they, they ground down and, and, and beat uh, a good side in Chelsea. So um, I was impressed with them. I don't think they're going to drop another point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and looking at their last four games, I don't think so. I, I think mm-hmm. it's Cardiff, Huddersfield. Um, Newcastle I don't think Benitez is going to put up a massive fight and oh, uh, and, and Wolves at home in the mm. last game of the season I, I think they will win every game therefore City are going to have to win every game to do it and my hunch would be with Liverpool after yesterday I thought it was a significant day I know City played pretty well and got a good result at Palace I think Liverpool have just started to look like you know, look, look, playing at full pelt again after a, they certainly had a blip when they drew four games out of six I think mm. it was they've won five in a row now 
they've had they've certainly ridden their luck at times, but then you have to, you know, you you, earn, you know, you make your own luck and you keep going till the end. And that's what a lot of Ferguson's great teams <laughs> did, winning a lot of games at, towards the end when they when they hadn't even played well. That's what Liverpool have done a fair bit of that this season. Um, I, I thought until yesterday I, my hunch was still being with City, but now I'm, I'm turning my. I, I think because there's a different feel, isn't there? Right? Yeah. When you talk about Liverpool and football, it's emotion, it's passion. Yes. There's a bit of pragmatism in there now, isn't there? There is actually, yeah. Look, their defensive record is unreal. It's mm. off off the charts, really, compared to what it was previously. There was a a big jump after Jurgen Klopp's first season in terms of, of improvement at leaking goals. Then Van Dijk comes in, you see a big leap. This season, I mean, they've considered, I think, they've considered 20 goals, um, which is compared just, to Man United 44. It's just incredible. Uh, Van Dijk for me, uh, absolutely nailed on player of the year. He would get my vote. I know that. It's a genuine competition with with him and Sterling and maybe one or two others, but for me, Van Dijk would get it. Um, no, I, I, I'm a big fan of, of this Liverpool side and I agree with Dave that they won't drop any more points and, and City have definitely got the tougher fixture list. I think Liverpool deserve to be champions. They're, look at it, they've lost one game, one game in the entire season. Um, I think that they are actually the best team in England at the moment, City have got uh, have got those match winners that 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 that, that quality, uh, the magic at times, and they've got a, a sensational manager. But as a team, as a unit, I think Liverpool have grown to be stronger than any other Liverpool side I can remember since I was a kid. Whoever finishes second is going to be the greatest runners up in the history of the Premier League, without a doubt. Which is, <laughs> yes, is not definitely. Been, there won't be a stronger second because the standards are unprecedented. You know, a couple of stats. Yeah. Yeah. Manchester City, the first in the five top leagues in Europe to score 150 goals. Mm-hmm. You've got Liverpool. Well, that the win against Chelsea was Klopp's 112th win in 200 games. Mm-hmm. A 38-match unbeaten run at Anfield. We're talking about unprecedented standards, yeah. aren't we? And they still might not win the league. It's extraordinary. <laughs> Liverpool, you know, one of them is not going to win the league, and they're going to be a, have, have had a great season. Yeah. Um, and, and they, you know, they. they, they they could easily end up contesting the um, the Champions League final as well. Yeah, they? The, the Leicester City was the big wake-up call, wasn't it, for, for the big six? And they've all just improved mm. extraordinarily yeah. since yeah. then. And unfortunately, the, the rest of the division's not kept pace. What I would say is that, that there is a bigger gap now than there has been for a long, long time. There's a big uh, gap between the top two and, and the other four now, <laughs> yes, aren't there? Yeah. I mean, the other four are very, very tight. There's nothing between those four, mm. Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea, Man United. But but the gap between second and third is going to be huge this season. Yeah, I, I think the Henderson move from, from Klopp was... That that could be a potential game changer as well. I know it's mm. it's a little it's only a minor tactical tweak, but I've always thought that Henderson is a legs guy. Mm, he's, yeah. he's the box yeah. for box guy. Yeah. And it it, it 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 wound me up a little bit. As a non even mm. as a non Liverpool fan, it wound me up to see him be the guy that's spraying oh, past his oh, yeah. long diagonals. Yeah. I thought you're not getting the best out of him there. Mm. Um and now that he is playing in that role, it's it's kind of re-energised Liverpool at this key juncture in the season. So, yeah. so that might turn out to be a big, a, a big terrific. Game. I mean, obviously Salah's goal was one of the goals of the season, but it was the, the breakthrough was was because of Henderson's um, cross, that little dink cross for, for Mane, which uh, that's what sort of made the breakthrough. That's what yeah. brought about the victory, really. Mm. Um, question from uh, Parikh Barat. It will be astonishing that one of City or Liverpool won't win the league despite playing as well as anybody has. It'll be heartbreaking for that team. How will that team pick itself up again for next season? <laughs> uh, I think I think it will be a bigger thing for Liverpool if they miss out, um, having done so well because because of the history. And Klopp's done pretty well trying to 
negate all that talk of 29 years about a league. But if Liverpool play that well and, and they do, so if Liverpool finish the season with one defeat, as I think they're likely to, I don't think they're going to lose another game yeah. with one defeat and don't win the league. It's going to be heartbreaking for them. Of course it is. Um, I think for City, I mean, it might depend as well if, 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 if that team ends up maybe winning the Champions League. Because I think that, you know, there's a good chance. Well, Liverpool will be in the semi final of the Champions League. City have got a 50 50 chance, probably. So, you know, that will, that will be a pretty decent consolation prize. Yeah. They've, both got, they've both got real chances there. They've, they're arguably the, the two best teams in Europe, I would say, actually, as, a, as units. I know we've got certain Mr. Messi and Mr. Ronaldo still left in, in the Champions League field. But I think as actual team units, they're the strongest two in, in, in Europe. But, um, I think City will get over it if because if they've won the league three times in recent years. Uh, for Liverpool, it will be more difficult. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do, yeah. I, I just think it depends what the mentality is inside the dressing room. I think it's one of those where they, they, you'd have to go away in the summer and think, actually, you know what? They can go away to the summer and sit on the beach and think, we couldn't have done any more. I don't think there will be any regrets from Liverpool. I think the best way for them to look at it, if they they fail to win the Premier League, is, look, we we came second best to one of the most extraordinary teams in the history of English football. We couldn't have done any better. Um, I did see there was that image, wasn't there, of the Liverpool shot at the Etihad with a... Was it a centimetre away, weren't they, from scoring yeah, that other yeah, goal? Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if, if they were to miss out mm. or by a point um, if, if that was the defining moment? But, but Liverpool will have no reason to beat themselves up at all if they don't win the Premier League. They certainly haven't bottled it. I don't agree with that talk whatsoever. I think, well, I think all, they, all they lack is, is an absolute top, world-class, creative central midfield yeah. player. And they've got very good midfielders, but they haven't got a real star, a sort of maybe De Bruyne or something like that. They had a like silver that. or a De Bruyne. One yeah, of the silver or a De Bruyne. One of those, yeah. and, they, and they're, they're definitely champions, yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about mentality of dressing rooms, as you did, Aid. Yeah. Um, Chelsea. Yes. Where are they now in their own heads more than anything else? Well, they're, they're flimsy, aren't they, on the road, that's for sure. Um, Chelsea are... I'm not saying they're broken... But they need it. They can't. The problem is, of course, with this transfer ban. If it is upheld, they can't have this big reboot that they probably need in the summer. Um, the owner's not around as well. The whole, the whole club is a bit of a. It's in a very strange place. Yeah. On Chelsea, I, I can't help but feel that. And there were bit, there were stories, weren't there, in the press over the weekend that there's interested parties maybe coming in and buying Chelsea off of Roman Abramovich. Make me feel that might be. The best interests yeah. of, of Chelsea. I've written that before, totally. Long term. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think I think that they rather than have this this owner that's becoming more and more mm. detached from it, bring in someone new, new money that's that's passionate, that's got the drive, it's a bit more hands on. The stadium is going to, you know, particularly you know, everyone's going on about the Spurs stadium, and I know everyone's sick of hearing about yeah. how great it is, but yeah. Chelsea's is the one that really suffers by comparison. You know, it really yeah. is. Yeah, something from the eighties or nineties, isn't it? So, yeah, they need they need yeah they need a a striker, don't they? They need to, probably a new manager. I, I, I've been underwhelmed by Sarri. I thought he was better than, than he's shown this season. Tactically, definitely not enough flexibility from him. And at the back, you look at Alonso, I, I just don't think he can defend. Emerson is all right, nothing special. Louise can't be relied upon. And Aspilicueta is, is, is ageing, as we saw against Man City yeah. in that 6-0 thrash. And he, even he's looking vulnerable. And I don't think the, the goalkeeper was was worth the money that, that was spent on him. So so there are lots of issues to address at Chelsea. Yeah, but that's been picked up with a question from Stefan Adams. He said, I said back in August how worried I was with Louise and Alonso in the back four. We're now in mid-April and for me, 
Louise has got worse. What's the future, if any, for any of the current back four? He said, for me, yeah. three out of four have had their best day. Yeah, maybe Rudiger's the one that might stick around. And Christensen, they've got a lot of time for, haven't they? Um, but yeah, I think um, I think they probably need two new fullbacks there, certainly. And, and yeah, and I've sent a half, yeah. But they can't get but any. They can't get any. <laughs> exactly. They have got, they've got a lot of um, good young players yeah. in the squad and out on loan, but I'm not sure if there's too many. Um, defenders amongst them. There's the, there's the boy who's been at, um, at Wigan, at the fullback, who's been yeah. been excellent by all yeah, accounts. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but whether he's ready to start for Chelsea next season or not, it would. Be, I think there's an awful lot of Chelsea fans who think it could be really exciting if they do get a transfer ban and they do have the manager in place, whoever that might be. Whether mm. it's probably not Sarri, who who is willing to really promote youth and, and to and to sort of yeah. try and build a team around Loftus Cheek and that's mm. Nadoy and players like that. Yeah, because there's some talk about uh, Jada Silva, the fullback. Also, you know, I think he's a Bristol City for yes, a moment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but that would be a step change in attitude, wouldn't it? Mm. And on that point, you mentioned Hudson-Odoi, um, Dave. He was picked against Liverpool, which is a big statement of intent from Sarri. Or was it? You know, was it just like, blimey, my job's in danger, or I better do something yeah. to keep the fans quiet? I've, cynically, I think that you could be right. <laughs> and, and, and we, we mentioned it off air, actually, earlier, that he, he played on, on the right, where he really he prefers to play on the left. Um he, he has suddenly started picking. I think he's played three Premier League games in a row now. He hadn't started before in in the league. Um, you do get the impression that that Sarri's doing it a little bit because he knows every time he doesn't bring him on or he's not involved, the fans are right on his back. And you know, Chelsea fans, to be fair to them, don't usually go for the manager, and they've really gone for Sarri on a couple of occasions. That Man United Cup match on the Monday night when they, they really went for him badly. I've never seen Stamford Bridge turn on on, on their own manager like that. Um, so he, he's fighting a losing battle. He, and I think he does quite a good impression of not caring what the fans say. And he'll say he doesn't care what the fans say, but anyone would when they're getting it in the neck, like as he has done. So, yeah, I think there's a little bit of, that's the reason why we're seeing Hudson Adoy in the team now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll intrude a bit on cro- private grief here. Oh, go on. <laughs> um, Arsenal and Aaron Ramsey. Yes, yes. You know, you must have split feelings about it. He's playing so well, mm. yet you know he's going to leave. Yeah, yeah. I think that he will be given whenever his final game is. I think he will get a standing ovation, and he will always be welcomed back at Emirates Stadium as a, as a genuine club legend. Actually, I think he, he's been outstanding, contributed in cup finals, of course. Um, I, I I can't speak highly enough of Ramsey's attitude this season. Mm-hmm. You know that you, you there's obviously been some kind of big disagreement behind the scenes in, in regards to his contract. I don't know which side. Which side is the guilty party in terms of the club or, or, or him or his representatives? But they've had all this, this off-the-field issues, yet it hasn't impacted his performance level at all. If anything, he's got better since the news came out that he would join Juventus. He's, been, he's played with no fear of, of getting injured. He's, yeah, I, I think he's been sensational. And actually, what is heartbreaking for Arsenal fans is that I don't see very many players around, Europeans football's top leagues that can offer what he can offer in terms of the the grit the energy the legs in central midfield the leadership from central midfield and the goals and the chaos that he causes inside the box they don't grow on trees those kind of players and that's why Juventus have given him the big bucks <laughs> cut off a nose to spite their face a little bit because I've got the impression certainly a few people I've spoken to earlier in the season that when Wenger went mm. there was a feeling within the club that, that basically the 
it had been run like a holiday camp for a good yeah. few years, yeah. and that they almost that they wanted to put a marker down and mm. show that they you know, show that players they were, they were going to be tougher with their players. They weren't going to indulge them. But Ramsey was the wrong target because he's a, he's a very good pro and a very good footballer, and, he, and his professionalism, as you said, has sh uh, you know, shone through in the way he's played when he knows he's going to leave anyway. Yeah, I would say of all the Arsenal players, and I would include Lacazette and Aubameyang in this, the most irreplaceable Arsenal player is actually Aaron Ramsey because he's got quite a unique skill set. So, mm. so it's, it is a devastating blow, but it, it is what it is. Arsenal have to rebuild. Mm. Looking forward to Thursday, Dave. Arsenal are in Naples. Um, they're poor away from home. Let's, mm. let's not beat around the bush. Uh, Emery's talking about that as a 50-50 game. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, the 2-0 lead is a good cushion to have. Um, that's, a, that's a really nice scoreline to go over there. With Napoli, it's a you know, pretty hostile place. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's if, you, if you're going there with a dodgy away record, you know, you're going to feel it when, you know, the, the, that crowd get on your back. Um I do. I don't. I think Napoli have gone downhill a bit, and I think Arsenal will. I think Arsenal will score and go through actually. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's a tough one. It was a, it was a tough draw. They did very very well in the first leg. It was a great result. Mm. Yeah, no, it was it was terrific performance. It was really aggressive. It was it was assertive, and yeah, it's just the one regret that the Ramsey actually missed a great chance to to make it three, didn't he? Although Napoli had their chances, I thought that Mertens was a bit disappointing in seeing you getting offside. Mm. What worries me. It, and we saw it at Everton, we saw it in the game against Napoli. In behind the Arsenal fullbacks, so many runners are, are getting in. And, and that, I think, is the, is the problem area for them in this fixture. I, I can't say with any confidence that I fancy Arsenal to, to win the game, maybe even draw it. I think they might lose the game. It's just whether they'll score the goal, score through, the goal yeah. and get through. That is how I sort of see it, see it panning out. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a toughie. But I, I do tend to agree with, with Dave on... Napoli. I was I was a bit underwhelmed by them, and on Koulibaly, who, who was a bit of a rock defensively, but he's such a rough diamond, isn't he? He, looked, yeah, he, yeah. he, he is no Van, Van Dyke. For those people that don't see him regularly enough, he's kind of put on that same pillar, isn't he, as Van Dyke? Well, the money talked about yeah. for him is yeah. massive. I think it? as a defender, he is right up there in terms of making blocks and clearances and doing all the mm. the, the rugged stuff. But he's so unpolished, it's untrue. He doesn't look like a player that's worth £130 million or whatever. So, so we'll have to wait and see. That They'll need him to play well to, to keep Arsenal out. Dave, another question. Uh, this time from Phil Scott. How can Newcastle keep Benitez while Ashley owns the club? Yeah, I think it might depend really whether Benitez gets any better offers because he, he enjoys working um, and he, he enjoys the love he gets at Newcastle. He enjoys the politics. I think he quite enjoys being the folk hero against an unpopular owner. He had it at Liverpool for a while as well. Um, I think he enjoys the intrigue. And um, I think, he, you know, he quite likes that job despite the obvious, you know, financial restraints you're under working for, for Ashley. It depends whether... I think for personal reasons, he, he still wants to, to work in England. Uh, he's, got, I mean, he's got child school and education here. Um, I don't think he's going to want, therefore, to move abroad. So there may only be, say, 10, 7, 8, 9, 10 jobs that you would say were better than Newcastle, given, obviously, the financial restraints at Newcastle under Ashley. It's whether any of those become available. I thought maybe, possibly if Leicester had gone for him or had waited till the summer and wanted him, then maybe he might have gone to Leicester because I think they've got a little bit more ambition, even despite not being the size of club, maybe, of Newcastle. But it's whether any of those jobs do come up and whether any of those clubs do come in for him. I mean, Everton's one that he's always been intriguing, whether he might go to Everton. I mean, obviously, managed Liverpool. That has always been a possibility. I don't get the impression that Silver's going to be bombed this summer now. They've had a few 
decent results until the weekend. So um, I think I think Benitez will still be there. I don't think Newcastle under Ashley is quite as bad a job as some Newcastle fans think it is. Because mm. Newcastle always reminds me a little bit of a superannuated version of Leeds. Someone's going to go in there at some stage and get it right. And when he does, that place is just going to go bang. Well, he is, he is getting it right to, to a degree, isn't he? That's, that's why I think there'd be a great club to take over. No, definitely. I mean, it is remarkable, really, that he hasn't been able to find a, yeah. a buyer because I do think that it could explode and, and Rafa will be really reluctant to walk away from it, won't he? Of course, the issue is when if new ownership does come in, they often want their own people. Mm. So, so but I think if you if you come into Newcastle with a new owner, if you did, and then and, and you, you bombed bomb Benitez, yeah, you crazy. You wouldn't, you'd uh, but I, do, I agree with, um, with, with everything Dave said, really, about Newcastle. I don't think there are many better jobs out there for him. OK, he would get more cash elsewhere. Um, but, but no, he, he's doing okay and I think he'll stick it out. Mm. Cardiff at Brighton on Tuesday. Oh, relegation decider? Yeah, it probably is. I think um, if Cardiff win, I think they've got a great chance yeah. of staying up. And Brighton are, you know, the team that, you know, people always talk about proverbial falling like a stone. It doesn't often happen, actually, as often as people <laughs> think, I don't think. But Brighton have, you know, they were... They were they were home and dry midway through the season, weren't they? they you know, in the high 20s points-wise, and they've hardly, you know, hardly won a game since. And they beat Huddersfield at home is the only one they've won in the, in the league in the last few months. Um, they're having a confidence crisis. They were really let down by Knockhart. Yeah, it would have been a bad result to lose at home to Bournemouth anyway, mm. but to have lost 2-0 is one thing. To lose 5-0 after that brainless red card, it, you know, it's a worry for Brighton now. Yeah, it was the worst defeat at home since December 1973, which tells yeah, everything. Yeah, well, yeah, they've had some bad years in between. And they played some good teams yeah. in the Premier League yeah. and, uh, and not, not taking that kind of spanking. So, no, yeah. Cardiff, have, I think, have got more spirit about them, really. Mm. The issue I've got that they've got is Sol Bamba, I think, when they lost him. Yeah. That, mm. was, that was, a, that was a, a killer blow for them, really. Um, have they... Have they got it in them to score enough goals uh, to win the game at Brighton? They might only need one, given how how, yeah. how sort of uh, flat they've been going forward. Now, I, I, I think this could go to the wire because Cardiff's running is a lot kinder than Brighton's. Brighton's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if you look at that, they've got to win. A draw probably is enough for Brighton, I think. Yeah, because yeah, Cardiff got Liverpool at home mm. after that, mm. Fulham away. With greatest respect, that's probably three points for them. Only one on Saturday. Morning. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Palace at home, then Man United away last yeah. night. I mean, they've got a couple of winnable games there, certainly. So, yeah, if they win at Brighton, I'd fancy Cardiff stay up. Mm. Neil Warnock, if he keeps them up, mm. you know, a lot of people say that makes him manager of the season with, mm. with the, the group that he took up. Yeah. Do you agree with that? <laughs> It would be a heck of an achievement, but look, he'd agree with it. By the way, we've been to. He would definitely agree <laughs> with it. Yeah. No, I think he's he's done a great job. No, I wouldn't have him as manager of the season. Um, this is a year where we're talking about two of the greatest teams, mm. two, two Liverpool in Liverpool and Manchester City, two of the best teams in Europe, two of the yeah the best we've seen for for many seasons. I, think he, I, I would probably go with Jurgen Klopp as as, as my manager of the year but but Neil Warnock has done himself proud and I'm really pleased for him actually I know he's not everyone's cup of tea but in his previous stints in the Premier League it didn't happen for him he looked a bit out of his depth this time around I think I think it's, there's been more positives than negatives for Cardiff so uh, even, like I said with Liverpool if it doesn't happen they can go into the summer break and, and not beat themselves up I don't think Cardiff 
should 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 no. do the same if they go down either. I think Cardiff and Huddersfield were, were everyone's everyone said they would go down those two clubs, you know. Um, mm. And Cardiff so overachieved just to even be in the mm. race now. Whereas Fulham have underachieved and they've gone down with Huddersfield. People probably thought that's where Cardiff would be. Yeah. They've done an awful lot better than Fulham with a lot less. They've spent a lot lot less money. Um, I think Warnock can hold his head up by in many ways. Um, he's not. He's an abrasive man on the touchlines. We all know. He's. He's got different sides to him. I've found him to be very kind on occasions as well. Uh, you know, he's people are more complex than they're made out to be, or certainly more complex than, than they, they can often look on the touchline and when they're screaming at referees. But I, I wish he would tone that down a bit. I don't think he does himself any favours. And, and it's, it's you know, over the years, his treatment of referees has been, has been pretty appalling. And I, w- I wish he could cut that out because he's a better bloke than that, actually. Yeah. I think. yeah. Well, uh, you know, that case in point, uh, after the Chelsea game, when he did the double teapot bit, mm. um, you felt for him, though, didn't you? They were too shocking. To they were, but I just shocking. looked at that, and, and to me, but, yeah. it came across as almost like, look at me, yeah. and it was a bit of self-pity in there. Yeah, there was. And I thought, look, your role now is to get into that dressing room and pick your players yeah. up, not yeah. and mess they, around they, in they, the centre. They had an, an awful season. The, the, the yeah. Salah thing is, it was, it was a completely, um, the Emiliano Salah incident was, was something that, that no Premier League managers really had to deal with quite that, yeah. that sort of thing, and, yeah. and that, was, that was an appalling weight on his shoulders as well. Um, that doesn't excuse the way he behaved that day. And, and that has been um, the way he's reacted. You know, referees are well aware of it. It doesn't do you any favours. Referees are human beings. They are going to, you know, they're, they're going to react to that kind of well, thing. This, is, this ties into the question from Sorry. Vernon Grant. <laughs> Neil Warnock. Infamy, infamy. They've all got it infamy. <laughs> Paranoia. Officials are only human. Who could blame them? Hmm. Of one or two did yeah, have something. That's kind it. of the point I was making, really. I don't yeah. Know if you've yeah, yeah, no. I'd, I, well, it, yes, but then you've also got the the other side of it, where if you moan, complain often enough, you know, think about Wilf Saha with with, mm. with with the way that he came out and was moaning about the treatment he was getting. Mm. Suddenly, he did pick up a lot more penalties. Referees suddenly weren't um, calling him out for diving inside the box. So there is something to be said. History tells us that if you moan loud enough. That the referees will maybe subconsciously listen as well, um, so it, it can work both ways. What about general standards of refereeing, Dave? I think it's a real mixed bag. You look at the stats and you realise how different referees within the Premier League referee football matches entirely differently. Mm-hmm. You know, some give twice as many fouls as others. Um, it's extraordinary that the way you know. They're, they're, I don't think you want consistency. I don't think it's going to ever happen. I don't think you even want that. I don't want robots refereeing. I, I don't personally want VAR. But I, th- I think there's been there's been so many bad decisions this season, so, so many glaringly bad ones. That And, and the Cardiff-Chelsea was up there. Those two incidents were were up there with the worst. I thought they were the shocking decisions by the linesman and the referee for those those two incidents that swung the Cardiff-Chelsea game. That, you, you know... You, you understand why VAR is coming in, even if, even if like me, you don't think it's going to be good for the game. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that uh, the Tongan you know, at Tottenham said, look, VAR next season will produce 40 more penalties. 40 more mm. penalties, yeah. yeah. It probably will. Yeah, yeah it probably will. Yeah. It's um, what I think... I, I don't know what's... None of us know yet how the Premier League is going to implement VAR. I find it unbelievable, actually, that in the FA Cup, we are not following the, the style that we saw in the World mm. Cup in the Champions League where the referee goes to the yeah. monitor at the side of the pitch and reviews their own decisions. I, I absolutely despise the notion of, of, of watching a ref point to his ear, letting, effectively letting someone else overrule him or not. And I, I just think that's wrong. So I, I desperately hope that we get the, the pitch side monitors for, for referees to, to go and, and look at their own decisions. The problem with that is that 
from what we've seen so far, particularly with handballs, is that when they do watch it in slow motion, it, looks it always looks worse. Everything looks, yeah. everything looks incriminating in slow motion, you know, yeah. handballs, tackles, etc. But, yeah, I just want... I, I know that you don't want referees to second-guess every decision that they make, but, but I think that they should have that facility whereby I'm not sure... Mike Dean at the weekend in the Burnley game. I'm not sure I'm going to go and have a look rather than being told about it and letting someone else decide from a studio. I think that is wholeheartedly wrong. So, so look, it's too much confusion at the moment about VAR uh, and I hope we don't mess it up. Technology in sport will always change the nature of the game in some ways or other that you haven't even thought about before you, before you actually implement it. We're starting to see that. The handball, mm. and Rose's handball against Man City, I don't think anyone who's played football thought that was a penalty. Uh, I think a lot of referees did. I don't think many, I, don't, I didn't see anywhere, any ex-players saying it was a penalty. Under the of the law, the way they're doing it, maybe, but it just didn't feel like a penalty, did it? Mm, and yeah. and I think you're going to you're going to be in terms of the forty more penalties. So twenty twenty of them will be for handball. Yeah. I do feel for referees because we expect them to be perfect, just a bit like us now. I know we. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to prove that. Yeah. Predictions for the last four of the Champions League, yeah. please. <laughs> um, well, Liverpool for sure. Um, I will go for Juventus to beat Ajax. I think the Ronaldo factor make the difference. So Liverpool, Juventus, um, City will turn it around, and yeah, I think uh, Manchester United will lose to Barcelona, even though it'd be a much more entertaining game. So, so the big four, I guess. Dave? I hate predicting Champions League knockout games. <laughs> the last couple of seasons, they've been absolutely mad. So. I don't I say with any confidence whatsoever. Uh, I'll say Liverpool against Barcelona in one semi-final mm. and I'll go for two shocks in the other one and say oh. Tottenham Ajax. Mm. Not bad. For me, it's also time for the head to rule the heart. My semi-finals, Liverpool-Barcelona and City-Juventus. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.